Good morning, comrades, and uh, welcome to uh, Workers' Power, where you're with uh, Bill Jackson, Dan, and Calypso. We're all in the studio here today. And uh, we uh, thank you to Arcard and uh, Zedlines for bringing us up to date with the news. Okay, um, today on the show we've we've got guests and we're going to rip right into to a guest right now. But uh, before we do that, um, uh, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. Uh, we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge uh, all First Nations comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognitions, reparations and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. OK, well, straight into our guest. Um, uh, we, we've got... Uh, Diane from uh, Jackie Kandu on the line. Hi, are you there, Diane? Yes, I am. Well, thank Hi, you. Bill. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, uh, we, 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 we thought it important to uh, get, get you on because there's been some development uh, uh, happening down there. But uh, we have been covering uh, the, this struggle on, on our show. But uh, could uh, for those that are tuning in for the first time, uh, could you give us a, a you know a brief rundown of uh, of of what the the struggle has been up until say last Friday? Okay, well, thank you for following what's been happening. Kabi, the sovereign Kabi tribes have been fighting to protect the sacred site of Jajaki Kundu um, for a long time. Elders have been telling government authorities since the 1970s that the site is important and to be destroyed. It was first brought to elders' attention in the 1970s when they start, when the government started planning a new railway line and they alerted people also to the fact that they planned to put a highway parallel to that railway line in the future. So the struggle's been going on since that time. Um, there have been a lot of uh, ministers and a lot of changes in staff, but the policy of the government and especially the Department of Transport and Main Roads seems to be to obliterate the sacred site. Um, since the 1970s have had ample opportunity to redesign their road plans and their rail plans, but they ploughed through the corner of the site with a railway line in the early 80s and then the road plans have been ongoing since then. So. Um, Department of Transport and Main Roads um, said that they were planning to uh, clear fell the site last year, late last year, so we approached Susan Lee, the Federal Minister for the Environment, to make a Section 9 and 10 determination on the site to declare that it was a significant Aboriginal site and that it should be protected. So basically... Queensland Department of Transport and Main Roads said they would not um, conduct destructive activities on the site until after that determination was made. There are a few speed bumps in the middle where they threatened to come in, but essentially they did nothing until last Friday. Uh, we had, apparently Susan Lee had made a determination she thought the site was not significant, but Carby people have been in occupation of the site full-time since the 25th of January, um, maintaining it, protecting the artefacts, 
um, conducting spiritual ceremonies, welcoming people to look, um, hosting intertribal meetings with other tribes who also regard Jackie Kundu as significant because it's a gathering place and a spiritual focus, um, the focus of songline um, and dreaming stories for many tribes, um, but it is the ancestrally inherited land of the Sovereign Kabi tribe. So we've been protecting that site. I myself am not Kabi by blood, but I'm a guardian of the site. Um, myself and Whitbooker, the Sovereign Kabi tribal lawman, were appointed guardian by a large meeting of um, Kabi Kabi representatives in 2013, where the meeting all those representatives unanimously decided for us to protect this sacred site. So we've been working um, since that time on this, um, trying to persuade government authorities to do the right thing and obey their own laws and not destroy Aboriginal cultural heritage. But it seems that Marcus Sang, the CEO of the Queensland Department of Transport and Main Roads, the head of their project, um, decided to lie and claim he was in peaceable possession of the land, which has never been lawfully transferred to the Crown or the State of Queensland and was noted down not to be settled in 1842. So um, they moved in with 50 or 60 police all armed with tasers. Um, I must say they did not... Um, assault anyone that in that manner they were respectful but they committed acts of genocide in removing tribal people from their sacred site that is um constitutes an act of genocide genocide is written into australian law as being a crime um and then transport and main roads moved in and started demolishing food and medicine gardens, all the infrastructure that we put in, trampling all over artefacts, and they have done some digging there already. It is extremely traumatic for all our elders and all of us. Um, six of us were arrested and have been bailed with conditions that we can't go within 200 metres of the Jackie Kundu or we will be locked up probably until the end of the hearings, which could take months. Um, so we can't go there. We can't fight in other ways to protect the site if we're locked up. So what's happening now is many people that are supporting us, both from other First Nation groups and wider white Australian society, are wanting to rally and support us. There are people writing letters to all members of parliament, um, to the Human Rights Commission. A human rights complaint is going in regarding this um, matter. There will be court action taken um, and we haven't given up. Um, there are going to be a number of people rallying in Gympie on Thursday morning who are uh, it's being organised by people who are not Kabi people. Um, they want to express their disgust at what's happening because, like us, they believe that the lessons that came from the destruction of the Jabwurrung trees and the destruction of Jukin Gorge and many other sacred sites uh, on the continent 
and its islands, that's commonly now called Australia, um, should not occur. That they're doing the same thing again with the Jackie Kundu. Um, so a lot of people are rallying support and they intend to meet in Gympie on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock in Memorial Park to support us as well and Kabi people will be there to speak to everyone. Um, this is just an atrocious thing that Australian government departments can ignore their own laws, they can ignore international law and do something so heinous as to try and wipe out um, the spiritual connection of a whole tribe to their country and disrespect the spiritual and religious connections of all the tribes of this country who are connected to this site by the mere fact that their songlines come here and their ancestors gathered here for the regular Bunya law gatherings, or Bunyi Bunyi is the correct pronunciation, um, for thousands of years. Right, and it, it sounds like, uh, well, to me, because I've been following or trying to follow uh, the, the struggle, but it sounds mm. like that they, they uh, you know, Susan Lay must have called them directly because I haven't heard uh, heard too much from her about her decision. Well, we didn't even know the decision had been made. Um, it was emailed from an email address from Susan Lee, or Susan Lay, we're not sure how to pronounce her name, um, but it went directly to my spam folder and I searched my spam folder regularly for... Uh, information from her department because it does go to spam but this new email address wasn't picked up so we were unaware of that declaration being made until after we were arrested um, actually I didn't find out until after I was released um, some elders contacted Susan Lee's department the team the ASIPA team and they found out from the ASIPA team that the declaration had been emailed on the 1st of October and I did find it in my staff folder when I got home. But I think um, the fact that the department sends out emails that they know go to people's spam folders is a very disturbing thing for a start. Uh, there was no follow-up phone call giving us the opportunity to appeal her decision and Marcus Sang decided to call in the police who had told us about a week before that they had no intention of removing us unless there was a court order made um, to discern who actually owned the land. Uh, so police have gone back on their word. They've worked basically as armed security guards for a government department who are obeying Australian, disobeying Australian laws. Yes, uh, to all to the... Um a disadvantage of uh, First Nations people, by the sound of it, u using, uh, um, you know, inadequate communication tools. Um, but uh, uh, w we can we can fight against that. And now um, Saturday uh, we, we is an opportunity. Is it Saturday that there's uh, going to be a rally? And is that in town in Gympie, is it? Yes, at Memorial Park, people will be gathering at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Um, some people have told us they will be uh, protesting outside um, Transport and Main Roads offices on Thursday, so if people wish to gather there, and also in uh, 
Brisbane on Thursday at 9 o'clock for those. Um, we're asking everybody who gathers in support of us to behave in a peaceful and respectful manner. Kabi, the Sovereign Kabi tribe are peaceful people. We always act respectfully. We don't um, harass or jostle people, but if people confront us when they're disobeying the law, we don't hold back in explaining to them the mistake they're making in disobeying their own laws. Um, this is where we're on Kabi sovereign tribal land here that has never been transferred. The title of that land was never transferred from the sovereign tribes, from Whitbooker and his extended family's ancestors to the Crown or the State. Now, the State of Queensland, the um, Crown, um, who passed their laws onto the State, acknowledged that people used all the Bunya districts, the Bunyi Bunyi, um, for law gatherings and it was important to people. They acknowledged the trees were not to be cut down and none of their citizens were to be an unlawful occupation of that land. They were to be removed. Now, they've never upheld that. That has never been repealed. Transport and main roads are claiming to own land they have no lawful right to and they are hell-bent on destroying a First Nation um, spiritual and cultural site that is significant to many tribes but is extremely significant to the sovereign Kabi tribes, the Kavai, the Bee people. And um, they are what they've done is discriminatory too because they've actually bypassed a church on the way towards the Jackie Kundu. Their road has diverted right around that church, but then it's diverted back to go straight through um, the Kabi sacred site. So that seems to be an act of discrimination and racism on top of all the other unlawful acts that are, have been perpetrated against the sovereign Kabi tribe. Agreed. Yeah, they they won't go. Uh, they won't go through the church, but they uh, they like to go through sacred land for shame. Well. A sacred site is like it's a healing site. It is a church, a university, um, a living area, and a historical document, if you want to put it that way. It's a place where people practice their culture and then some. And to want to destroy it is an act of genocide. It, you know, Australia helped ride the convention on... Um, Oh, sorry, I've gone blank. The, the legislation in the international arena on genocide and they also created a Genocide Convention Act in 1949, but then they didn't write punishments into Australian law until the amendment to the Criminal Code was made, which brought in uh, the International Criminal Court Amendment and it allows the genocide to be tried um, in the Australian jurisdiction. So um, they know what they're doing. These people know that they're committing a crime and we want that everyone to hold them accountable for this. But the thing we want the most, you talked about people wanting reparations. What the Sovereign Kabi tribe want is for their land to be left alone, for the sacred site not to be further damaged and for people to be allowed to continue with their self-determination, which is acknowledged in Queensland law to be a right for 
for all First Nations people. And we're fighting for the rights, not just of the First Nation people, but for the rights of everyone. When the Queensland jurisdiction wrote human rights into their legislation and they're ignoring everyone's human rights, we can't not stand up and object to that. You know, if you if you say nothing, you acquiesce to their lawless behaviour. Um, but we ask people to stand with us in a peaceful manner. We don't want to harm anyone, but everyone has the right to assert their rights in a peaceful manner. And we want to shame those politicians to back down and obey the people who elected them. And also to obey the rights of the people who own this land. Too right, too right. Well, uh, what what we'll do is uh, we, we'll we'll try and find the uh, social media um, uh, and uh, the events uh, for for uh, Brisbane Thursday nine a.m. and then um, uh, ten a.m. in in Gympie uh, Memorial uh, the Memorial Park at Gympie on Saturday. Road trip, comrades. Hell yeah! There's also a rally in. In Gympie, outside the Department of Transport and Main Roads at 9am on Thursday. All right. Well, we'll try and um, share that uh, with, with our listeners and um, see if we can um, muster up some support because we've got a lot of uh, uh, workers who, who consider a, a, an injury to one is an injury to all and uh, and they, wanted, they would be wanting to stand in solidarity uh, um, with this struggle. Well, um, Thank you very much. And Kabi people work in the spirit of the Wirritjen. That's black fellas and white fellas working together for the benefit of all. So we're working for you and thank you for supporting us because we need to all stand together to make sure that we have a good future for everyone, our children and our grandchildren. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for coming on and, and giving us an update uh, um, and uh, we, we we will uh, you know keep listeners informed of uh, uh, of what's uh, what's transpiring. So uh, thank you for your time this morning, Diane. Thank you very much, Bill, and thank you to everyone who's listening. And welcome back to uh, Workers Power here on Up uh, Four Triple Z, uh, where you're with uh, Bill Jackson. Calypso and Dan and uh, we just heard a, a couple of tracks there after a fantastic uh, interview uh, with Diane uh, right so uh, we'll, we'll move on to uh, some some workers action now um, and uh, we've got uh, uh, we've got a, 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 a we've got some great updates happening here today uh, some wins are, 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 you know, that we're going to go through so uh the first one is uh, toll workers. Yes, a uh, huge win for toll workers. Uh, we've now reached an uh, in-principle agreement with toll, which will be put to delegates and members for endorsement. Members have put in the hard yards over the last few months and their fight has paid off. The new agreement locks in key job security provisions, including site rates, commitments to give employees and owner-drivers first preference over all available work and caps on outside hires. 15% superannuation and industry first and improved consultation and auditing rights to further protect workers from their work being contracted out. We would not have come this far if not for thousands of workers standing up around the country and taking action. Congrats to all of you. What an incredible example of unity. Hell yeah! 
top work, guys. Yeah, so that's mm. the first win in the Truckies campaign, I believe. Mm. Well, that sets the precedent for the rest of them, doesn't it? Mm. That's right, a rising tide lifts all ships. And after only a one twenty-four hour strike. That's it, the mm. boss knows. When it, it, when, when it hits their bottom line, they cave in, comrades. So, um, I suppose not after just one, because there were also the other strikes at the other workplaces as well. That's right, and and as we always talk about here on Workers Power, that quite often strike is the, is the last resort. You know, there, there there may have been some other industrial action. Uh, you know, like a, you know uh, overtime bans and uh, um, you know uh, other things that led up to that. But uh, yeah. Uh, good on those workers, um, you know, and, and with a, an incredible example of unity. Okay, the next one, um, Jackson, you're going to talk us through that one. Uh, yes, so this one is from St. Gobain. Uh, I think this is from the AMWU. So after several weeks of action, our members at St. Cobain have gotten their EBA across the line. Here are some of the highlights. No trade-offs. Wage increase of 8.25%. Superannuation fixed at 1.25% above and beyond the SGF forever. Uh, callbacks slash outs to be paid at a minimum of four hours at double time. Uh, new allowances. 10, paid, 10 days paid domestic violence leave classification structure inserted into the EBA and 38 hour weeks slash RDOs for maintenance and back pay from November last year. Workers would like to thank those that supported them and said that this win wouldn't be possible without it. If you don't fight, you lose. That's incredible. Fantastic win. Some great wins and almost a year's worth of back pay. Yeah. (laughs) Back pay is um, uh, one of my... uh, it, it is. I've got three. I, I used to have two uh, favourite words in the English language, right? Free and beer. That was used to be my two favourite. But now back pay is, is number three. Easy. If, if not number one, you know. So oh, I just love that word. And, and uh, you know, it's just workers getting what they deserve, getting what they're owed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wage increase of 8.25% isn't bad either. We had the um, the people... Last, the people in South Africa last week who were also fighting for 8%, 160,000 metal workers. Um, and we were talking about how good they were because like, they were going for so high above uh, the other people we were talking about last week, I think down in Tasmania. But good on these guys. Wages well, have been stagnant for years. It's time to claim some of that back. Yeah, 8.25% is much better than the, um, you know, the 2.5% that we've been... Um, talking about over the you know the last year or so and bosses using the COVID as 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 the excuse you know so uh it's um yeah yeah great great win okay well the next one uh is is over to you Calypso Yesterday, Accolade Wines workers won their massive battle against their employer and endorsed a new offer from management, which included no cuts to their conditions. Workers at regional wineries owned by big wine producer Accolade have been fighting for years against a vicious attack on their conditions. Accolade Wines' attack was backed by their owner, the Carlisle Group, one of the largest investment groups in the world. This was a battle between a group of highly unionised regional workers and a global Goliath. 
Accolade Wines workers took 24-hour strike action to protect their conditions because their employer wanted to slash their superannuation pay, remove important commitments to job security and chop and change their ordinary hours. The workers were preparing to take further action, but they managed to force the company to drop their attacks and improve their conditions, including better job security through improved labour hire consultation clauses, toil for workers on public holidays, and a reasonable pay rise. Congratulations to these staunch union members. Right on. That's great. Three great. I know when I was doing the research during the week, I kept finding these wins and... uh, so I thought we, you know, great that we've uh, teed them all together, and but there's a common theme. Among there's a them. chain reaction happening. Yes, that's what. That's right. But there's a common theme here. They've all taken action. All the workers have uh, have had to take action. Um, two strikes, and um, you know, f- further action with in the other one. Um, so that's what happens when you stand up and fight back against the bosses. You win. And uh, these workers have won so good. Uh, I, I like um, a toil for, for for workers on on public holidays. Now that that's one that uh, a lot of retail workers will know what this one is, but some others uh, don't. And and what it is 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 if a, a public holiday falls on a day that you don't work, you get a day off in lieu. Which is fantastic, you know, especially especially in retail. Like uh, I, I used to, uh, uh, I did. I only worked every second Monday, and you know, you know, the chances are that all the blood, always the blood, public holiday would fall on my week off. But when there's toil for public holidays, you still get a day off in lieu, you know, because the, I, I only know what the L stands for, and that's in lieu, or the I is in lieu, you know, so. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic, and you know you 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 should get paid, you know, because what what happens is pretty sure the TO stands for time off. Time off in lieu, beautiful. Yeah, that's right. So you get an, a, another day um, that that you can you can spend with your your family or or even on your own, whatever whatever tickles your yours. And uh, but you get that day off, you know. That that's what public holidays are for, you know. It's. Uh, um, you know, the, the, you know, they're they're a form of rest. Um, you know, a form of a, a meaningful break. You know, a, a long weekends are much much better. Uh, we do pre- we we love our long weekends, don't we? You know, uh, that extra day away from the boss is always appreciated. Um, but uh, yes, uh, it, it's just so good to uh, um, you know report on some victories because we haven't re- reported on many of late. So it's good to have you know so many coming up in the one week. And I think some something that I've noticed here is that they mention often like these twenty-four hour strikes, and it makes it seem like kind of easy. Like you just go, oh, it's, you just go on strike for twenty-four hours and you win. But uh, these are strikes that come after like months or years of taking other tactics as well, uh, and that and it's like this is just the combined pressure of this campaign over a long period of time which eventually leads to a win um, and not just a quick going out on strike and getting a win there's another theme here too if you've got a boss you need a union that's that's spot on that's spot on they will cut your conditions yeah yeah if you if you got a boss yeah you need a union look I'm I'm a union organiser I've still got a boss so I still need a union. I've got a union. 
damn straight, you know. Everyone who's got a boss needs a union. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that you you, you, you got uh, an organisation with... Um, with resources and and, and, and organising capacity and um, industrial team to be able to stand up and fight back for your rights, uh, um, yeah, and uh, bringing everyone together. And uh, look, if you're not part of part of the union, well, you, you you're just riding on the back of the unionists. So uh, I'm pretty confident that most of our listeners would be union members. What do you think, comrades? Mm. Yeah. 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 Right on. Okay, now so we're going to uh, move along, and, and we've got uh, we've got a guest in, in the studio with us. Um, we've got uh, Sianne from uh, Secure, um, which is uh, South or one of one of the best acronyms I've heard for a long while. Secure, because it uh, it stands for South East Queensland's Union of Renters. So Secure. Get it? Renters? I love it. I love it. So, uh, um, yeah, Sian, welcome to the show. Thank, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, uh, renters in Queensland face some draconian rental laws, even with the recent changes. Can you tell us some of the adversity that renters face in Queensland? Yeah, Queensland has some of the worst rental laws in the world. Um, I think if you've lived here for ages or you've always lived here, you know, you know they're terrible, but um, it seems normal. You know, that's like it is everywhere. Um, It really isn't the case. The balance of power here is heavily tipped in the favour of landlords and, you know, their real estate agents. Uh, For example, some of the problems are the intrusiveness, so inspections every three months, uh, having to give, you know, basically your life story when applying for a rental. Uh, There's, you know, not carrying out repairs and maintenance. Uh, Then, you know, renters here cannot make a house a home at all um, because people only offer, you know, six to 12 months leases and a lease ending is enough cause for eviction. You know, we can't even hang a bloody picture of a family on the wall. Um, And the big thing is the cost of rent. Uh, It was already awful, but over the last year, um, it's gotten even worse with rent being uh, up 40% in some areas. You know, renters are engaging in rent bidding against each other or offering months rent up front just to try and secure a place. So we're seeing more and more people become homeless, uh, having to go live in their cars and whatnot because they either can't afford a place or can't get approved or both. Um, And, you know, now we've got the Olympics coming in 10 years, which, you know, the Queensland government's celebrating as a great boon for, you know, Queensland as a whole. But renters now are going to have to face the rent hikes, uh, the infrastructure disruptions and the evictions that always come with that. So, yeah, that's why we decided it was time to get organised now before it gets even worse. Every three months? Yeah, uh, everywhere I've lived for the past six years, I've been inspected every three months. That's just normal now. See, as you know, I'm I'm from New South Wales originally, and I I haven't rented since I've moved up here, but... um, I, the last place that, that that we lived in, we didn't. Uh, and New South Wales laws are a little bit different. Where once you you don't renew your lease at the end of each thing, um, the it's kind of more like a your lease is more like a probation period. 
And then once you, your lease is over, you, 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 that's it. You, 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 that's your home, mm. right? And uh, the, the last place that me and my partner lived at, we didn't have a rental expect, inspection for six years. <laughs> that's the dream. You know, so... And, and you also you got... Um, more more rights. Uh, it, 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 well, uh, this was at the time in New South Wales. It could have changed, but you actually out once the lease had finished, you you had uh, more rights. And the main one was nine. It was a ninety day eviction, so they had to mm. give you ninety days if they wanted you to leave. They had to give you ninety days, which you know a little bit better. It's still not ideal because you need that's all your that own. time to look for a new place and then apply for a new place. Yeah. yeah, especially in the current circumstances. Um, you know, we just moved recently and the only reason we are able to find an appropriate place was our landlord gave us very flexible move-out times because he wanted to move in. If we had the usual, you know, two weeks period that uh, yeah. most renters get, we would have been totally... Two screwed. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big... It's a far cry from 90 days, isn't it? And, um, and, and just some of those... Um, but, but I know I'm going a little bit bit, bit off, but um, I'm sure that uh, the Sunshine Coast is dreadful. For, for Would that 40%, would that be, is that inclusive of the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, I think that number is uh, parts of the Sunny Coast and part of the Gold Coast. They've been hit the worst by the rental crisis here. The population on the Sunshine Coast has tripled over the last few years. It's, there's a severe cheap housing yeah. Well, uh, well, with all that, it's it's very obvious that renters uh, need to organise. So uh, can you tell us how Secure was formed and how it operates? Yes, yeah, so we formed uh, May-June this year. Um, I guess the basis for our formation was to provide an organisation uh, where tenants could come together and collectively fight for their needs and their rights and to show landlords that they can't just leech off our money anymore and they can't treat us like playthings. You know, uh, like I said earlier, we saw how awful the situation for renters was getting and the sustainable collective organising was needed, long-term organising. Um, so we're founded on the principle that the rental crisis isn't about supply and demand. Uh, it's about power and, you know, where the balance of power. Uh, and at the moment, the landlord class and their real estate agents, they're very organised and they're very powerful. And an individual tenant alone is unable to do much to fight back by themselves. Um, but, you know, I think listeners of the show would know, just like in the realm of work, uh, there's power in a union and we believe there's power for tenants in a union. Um, but that can't be given from above. We need to grow our own power through organisation. Um, so then in regards to how we operate, um, that means we operate in a directly democratic way that is for and by members. Yep, for and by members love the sound of that and, uh, yeah, union. In terms of supply, there there is a lot of supply, isn't there? Heaps of apartments that are just sitting empty because no one can afford the rent. Yeah, um, I don't know the exact numbers at the moment. Uh, last time I looked, there are about 60,000 homes. 60,000? <laughs> and what we have... Um, this and how many people are on the waiting list for emergency housing? God knows. And, you know, last time I checked, we had about 10,000 people homeless. Uh, that number's gone up in the last year as well. But they could easily be housed in those homes. It's just that price of rent that's making people homeless. 
yeah, the balance of power is too much in the landlord's favour. Right, right. Well, so, um, well, this is the, the, the $64 million question here, is it? How are you going about building power for renters? Um, so we believe in direct struggle and I guess reject using our energy to achieve change through elections or the actions of a politician or a party. Um, instead, we seek to build the power of renters and uh, their communities at the level of the community itself. Uh, and to directly struggle against landlords and real estates on our own terms. Obviously, you know, we support reforms in the realm of housing and renting. Anything that, you know, lifts the boot on our neck a bit helps. Um, but rather than diverting our energy away from struggle to the realm of reforms, uh, reforms we believe will be occur through the expansion of this direct struggle. So what that looks like in real life... Um, is placing pressure on landlords and real estates who, say for example, won't fix a black mould problem. Uh, we'd apply pressure through things like phone-ins, picketing, breaching, uh, basically public shaming. Um, and also the organisation, the union itself, is also the point, which is, you know, tenants coming together to stand against injustices multiplies the latent power that we all hold. Yeah, so you get the, the the normal things that happen with union when you get me- members together. They they talk about their sh- shared struggles, but they also talk about their individual struggles, and then um, others wanting to uh, stand in solidarity. Oh, that I didn't know you were going through that, or anyone was going through that. Yeah, we need to do something about that before it happens to me. You know, which is um, a, a good thing that I know as a union organizer. You're bringing uh, bringing the union, uh, bringing uh, the members together, um, so that you can, uh, you know, discuss it. You know, shared problems and individual problems. It's uh, a great thing. I, I know you're on, only uh, quite young, and uh, uh, but. but but uh, you know the organisation is is relatively new. But uh, what are what are the some some of the campaigns that you have done, and and, and probably more importantly, what what are some of that you've got planned? Yeah. So like you said, um, because we're still new, and it, it really isn't the uh, mo of the union. We uh, tend to steer away from what I guess you'd call more traditional campaigns, like you know, say lobbying the government for better rental laws. Uh, most of our work is in the realm of securing uh, direct wins for renters against real estate agents who are screwing their tenants over. Um, so far, that's largely been around repairs and maintenance uh, either not happening or happening in a way that uh, severely disrupts the tenants' lives. Um, I don't think 4ZZZ is the uh, radio station of property manager's choice, but I'm not sure how into detail I can go about current campaigns here. You can go r- <laughs> full detail. We've done that yet. Full details. I, do, I don't want to uh, overplay our hand in case for some reason a real estate agent is listening. Um, but yeah, we've got a few going on at the moment around repairs and maintenance. Uh, we don't just exist uh, for forcing you know, repairs to happen, though. We also uh, fight for, you know, stolen bonds, um, unauthorised entry, uh, evictions and that sort of thing. Um, So that's kind of our bread and butter ongoing work. Um, In regards to upcoming uh, upcoming campaigns, uh, one thing we've been seeing come up again and again is people being forced into, like, 
using these third-party websites or apps, they have names like Deft or Rent Rewards in order to pay their rent. Um, they're usually owned by the property management owner or they give rewards to real estate agents for signing a certain amount of tenants up. They're really dodgy and unfortunately Queensland doesn't have laws that um, tenants have to be given a freeway to pay rent. Um, so as we grow, gather more information, get concentration of tenants in certain real estate agencies, uh, we'll be looking to uh, challenge the forced use of these third party apps. Right on, right on. Yeah, and and look at the end of the day, that it, it's it it sounds to me in simple terms, it's it's just another middleman that the uh, renter's going to have to pay extra. Yeah, um, these apps always charge to pay rent, and it's also funny. It's uh, the property managers outsourcing what should be a major part of their job, yeah. which is collecting the rent. So you don't only have to pay rent to exist in a property to have a home, you also have to pay rent to pay rent. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, like I said, there, you know, there's no uh, laws about having a freeway to do it in Queensland. So they'll often say, but you do have to have uh, two authorised ways to pay rent. But what they'll do is they'll say, use the third party app or use the two most difficult options, which is check or money order. So it is essentially forcing people onto no, these apps. Not even I've got a checkbook anymore, comrade. Well, I'm incredibly petty. At my last place, I uh, paid by check the whole time. I went and set Hell it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to pay. That's how I used to pay pay my rent through, via check out back <laughs> in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people can't afford to pay a surcharge on rent. That's ridiculous. It's yeah. very ageist, these policies, like, particularly towards, like, senior citizens that are on pensions and so forth. They're often, like, technologi- technologically illiterate as well, so they find it really hard to navigate these applications. Like, And this is a surcharge you can't avoid. They're getting away with it because they know that you have to pay rent because you have to have somewhere to live. It's not one that you can avoid. Yeah, and they're getting huge kickbacks for um, forcing tenants into these apps. That's evil. They yeah. socialise the risk and the labour and they privatise the profits. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right on. Well, that sounds exciting. So uh, how can uh, comrades find out more and get involved if they're renters? How, 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 can, they, um, how can they join? So if you want to find us on social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Just look up uh, South East Queensland Union of Renters or our website is secure, so S-E-Q-U-R dot homes. Uh, we have meetings fortnightly and there's always a wide variety of work happening. Um, so there's something for absolutely everyone to take part in in the struggle. And so there's actually, uh, you have general meetings at, at Common House uh, um, and that's uh, the next one is the 30th of October, 1pm. Yes, uh, so not this Saturday, the one after, I believe. And and um, uh, just on that, do you, uh, like we, we, one thing, uh, do you do you share ideas and you you, you share you, uh, what what rights people have and things like that? Is there, you know, um, we're we're uh, here on Four Triple Z. We're all about agitate, educate, organise. Is there mm-hmm. an element of educate in there uh, uh, as well? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, we encourage people to come along to these meetings and share their rental problems. There's a wealth of knowledge within the group, so we can definitely help you, help you take up the struggle um, if you're being screwed around by your real estate. Right. Oh, well, I, I, now, one more thing before you go. I want to talk about something that, that is exciting, um, that uh, the workers' power, we're... we're um, we want to back you up, and uh, we, we've organised a little shindig. Yes. So we may as well go... No one... I haven't gone public yet, so we may as well go public now, right now, with, with you here in the studio. On uh, on November 19th, uh, we've organised for a couple of bands uh, uh, to, to to play a show at Common House, and uh, and uh, the, 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 all, all the... The money from the tickets is is going to go to secure. So we we thought, uh, well, we we were going to to raise it for ourselves to get headphones, but four triple Z are coming to the party with that. But uh, we had this thing organised, and, and we believe in secure so much here on Workers Power that we want to uh, put this t- together, so that um, you know, like uh, you can create some some funds for campaigning or for um, you, for, for whatever you you need it for. So that's it. That's going to be at Common House on the 19th of November. Write that in your diaries, comrades. The 19th of November. So a a month, exactly a month from today. And we've got committed already Coal Falls, uh, Ipswich locals. They're, 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 They're from out at Ipswich. Coal Falls will be headlining the show. We've got um, the Starvation Orchestra playing. And also the the exciting debut from Gay Recess. That's right. Exciting. So um, uh, stay tuned. We'll 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 go live with the event and where you can purchase tickets. But uh, um, yeah, it, you know, on Workers Power, we would like to uh, you know put our organising where our mouth is, and uh, we we're um, very very excited to uh, be able to um, support uh, Secure. Well. Have you got anything else you wanted to add? We, we anything that we've missed out about Secure? Um, I don't think so. I guess I'll just end on encouraging people to join. Um, if you want to build a tenants union or you're being messed around by your landlord or real estate, um, I think if you're a listener of this show, you know there's power in a union, and a union is only as strong as its members. Oh. We love talk like that. (laughs) And if any of our listeners have any good uh, landlord or renting horror stories, you can SMS in on 0420626733 and tell us about it. That's right. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it here and... uh and uh, but uh, the the most important thing is is to um, you know find out about Secure, join, and then participate in in the in the uh, in the meetings and the activities, and uh, you know uh, together we stand, divided we fall. You know, like all those types of things. Yes, yeah. if you've got a landlord, you need a union as well. So. That's <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Well, being exploited. Yeah, we were talking earlier that if you got a boss, you need a union. Well, now if you have got a landlord, you need a union. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming up, for taking the time out today to come on, Cian. Um We we will be sure. I, I I think that we might even try and sneak in a, a, another a bit more social guest, a, a bit more social, uh, 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 just uh, to um, promote the event in in about four weeks' time. Um, well, I, 
it might even be sold out by then, comrades. You know, Cole Falls, great band and um, a great cause. So uh, I'm sure that there'll be plenty of uh, listeners who will be wanting to support and and um, show some solidarity. And welcome back to Workers Power here on 4 Z, where you're with Bill, Jackson and Calypso. And, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic interview, but uh, we've got to move on now to uh, uh, Workers Action and we've got some international Workers Action. Now, did I hear that uh, you're very keen uh, to go through this one, Calypso? Are you, yes. You, yes? Yes. Over 10,000 John Deere workers strike over years of poor treatment. This comes to us from Michael Senato of The Guardian. More than 10,000 production and warehouse workers at 14 John Deere plants in Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, Colorado and Georgia walked off the job at midnight in the latest in a wave of industrial unrest in the U.S., The workers, represented by nine locals with United Auto Workers, voted 99% in favour of a strike authorisation in September after receiving the initial six-year contract proposal from John Deere. It is the biggest private sector strike in the US for two years since the UAW led an action against General Motors. David Schmelzer, a quality control inspector at John Deere in Milan, Illinois, for 24 years and former chairman of the UAW Local 79, said that in 1997, workers took several concessions from John Deere in contract negotiations at the time, which included creating a two-tier system of employees with workers hired after 1997 receiving fewer benefits. We sacrificed and we want that back now, said Schmelzer. Workers in this country need to understand that we have a considerable amount of power in this country if we choose to utilise it, and there's no reason why we should stand back and let these companies just completely exploit our labour for billions of dollars and fight tooth and nail not to give us anything. Right on. He said John Deere spent months sending out texts, mailers and using supervisors to push workers in support of current benefits for employees leading up to the union contract negotiations. And the company has currently prepared salaried employees to come in to replace workers on strike. More on that later. During the pandemic, Schmelzer said workers have been forced to work overtime consistently with 10 to 12 hour days through the week and Saturdays. Through that time, John Deere has reported record profits in 2021 with a 4.7 billion profit in the first three quarters of this year compared to their previous record profit year of 3.5 billion in 2013. The company spent over $1.7 billion on stock buybacks in the first nine months and paid out $761 million in dividends to shareholders. A lot of what's been going on in the country over the last couple of years has definitely made people more aware of the disparity between corporate and income inequality. Just massive amounts of corporate greed, added Schmelzer. The majority of people want a bigger share of the success of this company, the success that we've been a major part of. Prior to the pandemic, John Deere laid off dozens of workers across several plants and reorganised their workforce, demoting several salaried workers to lower-level positions with less pay, citing Trump's tariff wars with China and its impact on demand. This goes beyond numbers. It's just as much about how people are treated, said a John Deere employee in Illinois who requested to remain anonymous for fear of retaliation. 
Respect from management no longer exists. You can feel the tension in the air. Everybody has been on edge for quite some time. Nearly every day, I would lift my welder hood up to hear employees and managers screaming at each other. They have put highly paid managers on certain operators to watch them and just bird dog them all day. During the last union contract negotiations in 2015, John Deere workers approved, by the, con- approved the contract by fewer than 200 votes after rounds of layoff where hundreds of jobs were cut. The last time John Deere workers went on strike was in 1986, which lasted 163 days, included a a lockout by the company at other plants in retaliation. The current strike is the largest in the private sector since thousands of General Motors workers walked off the job in September 2019. It goes way deeper than just not liking a contract, said another John Deere employee in Illinois. It's, it's the summation of years of negative wage movement and probably would have happened last year if the contract had the layoff situation not happened. The workers cited proposed cuts to post-retirement health care, inadequate wage increases and inadequate pension benefits that don't nearly match the pre-1997 John Deere employees receive as reasons why workers overwhelmingly voted against the latest proposed contract. For new hires, the retirement pension plans would be replaced by a 401k. A spokesperson for John Deere said in a statement on the contract rejection by workers, John Deere remains fully committed to continuing the collective bargaining process in an effort to better understand our employees' viewpoints. In the meantime, our operations will continue as normal. (coughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, listeners. There was just uh, something in my throat there. Uh, yeah, a bit of rubbish. Um, so, so after these ten thousand workers walked off, we have a we have a follow up story of what happened next. All right, and uh, Dan, you're going to talk uh, d- talk us through this, this one. This is why there's no such thing as unskilled labour. Uh, John Deere put temporary workers on the factory floor. It's going about as well as you'd expect. Um, on the first full day of John Deere using non-union workers to attempt to replace UAW members on the factory floor, uh, they didn't even make it till 8am without a 9-11 Oh, my God. Uh, it's not the only situation that took place either. A different non-union worker crashed a tractor inside the plant while trying to pull it into a repair bay. Turns out the worker wasn't exactly sure where the front weights were and they crashed into an electrical box. Uh, the tractor was only a little scuffed, but the electrical box needed some repairs. Uh, Deer brought in some of the salaried non-union workers to pick up the slack after its hourly wage unionised workers headed out to the picket line. Many of, the, many of these salaried workers are not un- are non-union because they don't work on the factory floor and they don't often need the bargaining power to demand competitive hourly wages. Oh. Deere also made it clear that it would be expecting these salaried workers to take on the unionised position should a strike take place. These workers aren't of, are often aren't qualified to be working on the factory floor since they're not likely to be doing any actual tractor assembly in their daily work. Expecting these unqualified workers to take on positions that can be inherently dangerous to anyone, but especially to those who haven't trained to perform these tasks, is almost asking for a disaster. We hope that none of these workers incur any serious injuries, as much as we hope Deer realises the inherent danger of its actions. Yeah, yep. All right. That's a, a good on these workers for standing up and, um, 
Yeah, the scabs can't even last till 8 a.m. without yes. having to call a, so, a, well, an they're, ambulance. They're all office workers and engineers. Yeah, None of right. them have the training to work on the factory floor. And one of them even posted on Twitter that uh, they, they don't. the reason they don't have that union is because they're office workers and they, they've, they've got pretty good wages at the moment. They're not, they, don't th- they don't think they're at risk. But uh, now they're saying on Twitter that they, they've, it's been heavily implied by the employer that if these... Uh, non-unionized salary workers don't um, try to, you know, uh, cover and, and strike break in the factory floor that they will lose their jobs. Well, it sounds like So that's they, why they need a union. Yeah, that's too right. They need a union as well. I just want to quickly uh, chat about, um, uh, and some, some comrades might not know about, uh, this term of two-tier system. What 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 they what they do is they is they put a date and if you're employed before this date, uh, these are your conditions. But from now on, everyone else is going to have the, these conditions, right? And I, and I can give you an example from personal experience. When I was a postman, I started after um, I've forgotten the year. It's, it's that long ago. I started after a certain date. And, and the way that they did it was is is all, all the posties before that date used to start at 6am and they'd attract a, a, a shift allowance because they started so early in the morning. And what they did is they hired me from 6.30. Now, I can, I can tell you, comrades, that it was very demeaning once I found out what was going on. It, uh, it didn't make me feel all that good that the... Uh, the, 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 the guy next to I was a union member always as, as you know me um, uh, the the guy next to me uh, not only did he get paid more but he got to knock off half an hour earlier you know so so you were working the exact same hours well no I worked yeah well, a, a, the same a, a, amount, amount of, time. of time yeah yeah just 30 minutes apart yeah just 30 minutes later in the day and so I used to have to spend 30 minutes out extra out in the heat basically so I had the hotter part of the day that uh, and uh, well as as you all know me I, I, I stand up I, I complain I, I, I fight back. And what they did is they ended up, uh, they gave me a 4 a.m. start, um, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, um, the, and so that I then I, uh, then I got the penalty rate, I got the shift allowance. But, yeah, so, and what you've got is a, a date cut off. Everyone that we employ from that date, it gets paid under these conditions and everyone before that, you know. And, and sometimes workers will make concessions, you know, to, 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 to get a deal through or to get, um, you know, the, I think it was in around with the posties, it was in around the, uh, the, the, uh, um, the meal allowance, you know. They got a good meal allowance. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but uh, we, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And it's quite funny how they, they send in the scabs and they can't even do the job, you know. Um, no such thing as unskilled labour. Right, uh, we, we better take a quick break. Um, I, I've got a text from one of our, um, one of our um, um, subscribers uh, from Rowan and he's talked about the Fremantle Wharfies, yeah, the, the Cube thing. Now, we reported back on that back, back like 10 weeks ago. And we haven't get done an update. Um, so uh, Rowan sent in a text saying, Fremantle Wharfies have been on the grass for 10 weeks. Managers tried to do the, the manual work 
It didn't work out too good for them either. <laughs> now, I've been looking at that story. I was nearly going to put it in this week's show, uh, but we were already jam-packed because of the, um, y- y- the, the, the garbage that was going on up at uh, Jackie Kandu. But um, we'll, I'll try and um, do, you know, get something organised so that we can get an update on uh, the Fremantle workers. Uh, so next week it'll be 11 weeks. So I'll try and include that on next week's show. Right on. Thank you for messaging in, Rowan. Right, well, we've just got uh, you know, we've got a few minutes left to talk about the scallywag of the week. Now, um, we're breaking a couple of rules here here today, comrades, that we set for it. But we can break our own rules. Well, first <laughs> off, we, 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 we prefer, we generally, we prefer the bosses to be the scallywag. But, uh, and uh, normally we only have one. So I'm going to b- break uh, kind of two, two unwritten rules. And uh, we're going to have a joint uh, after the, the interview with Diane uh, from Kabi Kabi and uh, about the, the, the struggle up at, at Jackie Kandu. Uh, we, we've decided to uh, uh, give the uh, uh, scallywag of the week to the politicians that have been involved in it. Um, that is... Uh, the Honourable Mark Bailey, or Dishonourable Mark Bailey, who's the uh, Queensland uh, Minister for Department of Transport and Main Roads. Now, I, I bet a lot of uh, a lot of our uh, CFMEU comrades would be um, in solidarity with that. They've, they've got a particular beef with uh, uh, Mr Bailey. And also uh, Susan Lay, who's... Uh, the supposed uh, parliamentary secretary to the Minister for Family and Community Services. Oh, they've got a few. Oh, look, I'm not going to even go. It was the minister that made the decision that they can, you know, desecrate sacred land um, up, up near Gympie. Um, so just to remind comrades uh, about uh, uh, about that, some of the actions that are going on, and this is the most important thing, getting out there, getting on the street, so have a look for these on social media and, 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 and on the interwebs. Um, so on Thursday, 9am, there's going to be rallies in uh, both Brisbane and Gympie. And 10am uh, Saturday, um, Memorial Park at Gympie, there's going to be a rally as well. So if you can get out there, I note that my diary is empty for Saturday. It could be road trip, comrades. Hell yeah. I'll, uh, I'll 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 double check that and I'll let you all know. Um, but uh, workers' power might be on a bit of a road trip. Mark Bailey, more like Mark Failey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Look. Look. I'm sure we could have found some bosses that have been right scallywags. You know, there's there's a lot of them out there. But uh, Susan Lay, yeah. more like Susan, go away. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go away. Well. Uh, if you're into electoral politics, we, we hopefully we'll be getting rid of uh, her before next May. Um, stay tuned. Okay, well, that's the show. We, we got through a lot, a lot of variety, a lot of different um, kind of action, a lot of different stories, a lot of different uh, music as well. Uh, thanks, Dan, for your contribution, a few couple of tracks that you've, you've chosen. All right, well, um, that, that's it. We've only got, uh, uh, yeah, I'm bang, we're bang on time. So stick around. We've got Brisbane Lines. If you want the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the professional news, we always call it here, you, you, you can stick around uh, for, the, for the real journalists uh, on Brisbane Lines. 
But from us, uh, well, we will see you next Tuesday. Here see on. you next Tuesday.